It don't matter what I try I just can't win and I don't know why There's a fork in every road I pick the wrong one and then I go American loser, yes I am Disenfranchised from everything well, I fall up and I fall down Hello and welcome back to another edition of American Loser, guys. It is the podcast that puts the spotlight firmly on second place. My name's KP Burke. I used to be a stand-up comic back when that field still existed. My dad's still a DILF, though, aren't you? <laughs> we're doing our best. We're yeah. doing our best. So as much as it, we, it was a fun thing to call you a DILF up front on the show, but now it's getting to the point getting where old. we're getting too many DMs about you. <laughs> yeah, okay. You, know, All right. you are happily married to my saint of a mother, who, by the way, if you're a Patreon listener, we want to say thank you so much for all your support of the show. And... St. Sandy Burke herself sent out all of your merch the other day. So stickers, buttons, all sorts of good stuff. A little handwritten letter from me. And that's just our way of saying thank you so much. You guys are the reason this show is allowed to stay free on Tuesdays. And we give you the bonus content, too. Just our way of saying thank you and Merry Christmas. And if you're Stu Greenberg, I guess happy Hanukkah. Whatever you do, Stu. Right? <laughs> it's a little late, but <laughs> yeah, nonetheless. It's, it is what it is on that one. But uh, no, we love the fans on the show here. Uh, we're, where could we be other than a Shared Universe podcast studio in Eatontown, New Jersey? Mike and Ming taking great care of us. The Kahuna's behind the ones and twos. How hey, are you, bud? What's up, gentlemen? How are you, buddy? Yeah, I know. Well, we're, uh, we're not going to rush this one, but we are going to get you out of here on time. I promise you that, my friend. Uh, we have a returning guest, one of my great pals in comedy, one of my favorite people to talk to, Captain Chaos himself. <laughs> all right. Honestly, he's the kind of guy that you can talk about uh, something inane, and then all of a sudden it turns into a discussion on quantum physics to prove the inane point correct. <laughs> so the man who ruined Back to the Future for me yesterday, inside of 10 seconds, none other than the returning guest, the, one, the man who brought to our attention that America had an emperor in the Emperor Norton episode. Right. I never want to hear ba Back to the Future mentioned from you again. <laughs> never. Because I'd never want that ruined for me. It's, uh, it, it's a doozy. But uh, today's also a doozy. This is another thing that he uh, casually helped inform me about this topic. Uh, but let's introduce the guest, Eric Albert, returning to the show. What's happening? Thanks for having me back. Oh, are you kidding, man? No, you were, first of all, no other guests would I ever uh, send a car to pick up and bring down, okay? That's right. <laughs> Sent the Uber driver. Well, yeah, nobody else has, um, you know, issues with their driver's license like I do. <laughs> oh, man. No, but we had to pick you up on this one. But we, the good news is we get a chance to shoot the shit and everything, too. Of course. I'm getting ready to head back down to Jacksonville. Um, one thing, though, we always talk about uh, New Jersey on this show. And it's a state that I'm very proud to be from. My father born and raised here. Kahuna born and raised here, right? Um I was raised in Fraggle Rock. What are you talking That's about? <laughs> well, you brought the New Yorker in for this one. We did. And um, you have some info on this one that was pretty exciting for me. So I'm going to try to set this one up. We're going to see how long we can keep the kahuna confused as to what we're talking about. Okay. So. Um, I like these games. Oh, it, this one hurts, buddy. This yeah. One hurts. yeah. Right. This one hurts pretty good. It's, it's, a, it's a little dark chapter. <laughs> The history of this country. Hence the American loser topic yeah, today. This is perfect loser fodder here. So um, if you're tired uh, of the kind of and roll your eyes at the, the, the platitude in any political discussion nowadays, whenever someone gets called a Nazi, right? Anything that I don't agree with means that you're a Nazi. That's how it works. You just, and it's one of those things I joke around about that my grandfather, my, uh, my mom's dad, 
he actually fought the Nazis. He had a bronze star and a purple heart. My he, grandfather, too. No shit. Navy guy. Really? Yeah. See, that's wild, man. Uh, Grandpa Marty was in the Army uh, Combat Engineers. And if he came back today, he'd be concerned. He goes, wow, everyone's Nazis nowadays? All you have to do? That's one political disagreement and everyone's a Nazi. I remember when Nazis were, you know, guys shooting back at me. (laughs) Right. But anyway, there are, by the way, this is crazy here. Let's not uh, pretend that there's not. There are definitely legit neo-Nazi groups in America. Nobody's denying that. You'd be stupid to do so. But the term neo means new, right? Meaning that they have to differentiate themselves from the old Nazis. Whoa. Yeah. So today's episode explores some wild ideas and it's probably going to be best enjoyed by you, the listener, if you put yourself into the zeitgeist, the spirit of the times, right? We know how this story ends. Zeitgeist? Is that where we're bringing in the German already? That's here. Zeitgeist, speaking right? German. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So... I uh, thought neo-Nazis just knew kung fu. <laughs> <laughs> the first of several Matrix jokes that will be made here today, I'm sure. But um, this is where it gets a little bit crazy, man. You don't know about the pure evil that we know them now to be associated with, these Nazis, right? They had to start from somewhere. They had to come from something. So don't use the Monday morning quarterback kind of a thing. Don't use the rearview mirror thing where you, you know hindsight's twenty twenty. Try to put yourself into the times here and see... How you could maybe, what would be your honest feelings about this group before we realize the utter and complete total right. evil that they were? So the, the spoiler alert hasn't really happened just yet. That, nope. uh, it's just a, spoiler alert. another little fun group here that uh, might have some different ideas. And hey, who knows? Maybe that would work. Well, uh, that's the thing. How much uh, pure evil is innocently walking around in our own backyard? That's the time frame of what we're going to be talking about here today. Uh, Kahuna, good news, buddy. Patreon listeners have donated a lot of money. We're sending you to summer camp. Oh, I get to go to summer camp? We got a yeah. fun summer yeah. camp for you, buddy. And, uh, well, I mean, it's going to have a bunch of things. Eric, tell him what else is going to be around there, but he's going to have archery. There's pools you can go swimming in, trails for him to go hiking on. There's Hiking's bands, trails. parties. Yeah, This is True. great. Um, a little Oktoberfest celebration a little early, even though it's at the summer camp. Okay. Um, you'll be staying in wonderful palatial Long Island. Not bad. Okay. So Upper echelon. Yeah, that's uh, the people up there got a little bit of money. You know what I mean? So now we're going to also have the Oktoberfest. the Hamptons, though. No. Uh, ironically, this camp is located near modern-day Fire Island. True. So if you want to know where Mike Piazza and Sam Champion have been hanging out, it's... Um, that's it's actually Edgardo Alfonso that was the game at. It wasn't Piazza. <laughs> was that, are we inside baseball in a baseball joke? That was fantastic. <laughs> one of my buddies was a beat writer for the Mets, so I like <laughs> know this one. <laughs> what did I tell you guys earlier? Eric's the kind of friend that you turn him upside down and shake him, and then just interesting shit pops out of his head at all times. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not going to name drop the guy because he still works for MLB, and I don't want that getting out that he was the one that told me okay understood um yeah we don't need any more lawsuits on this show inside inside baseball well we're setting you up kahuna's going to summer camp baby and uh it's gonna be great dude oktoberfest beers which by the way the the traditional oktoberfest in germany is actually celebrated in august so that's kind of interesting just getting better and better i'm like okay uh, well that's because of you know the julian calendar two months got added in so october was actually two months earlier Okay. Is this man not living up to his reputation? Yeah, I was just like... <laughs> That's right. But you know, we'll just add in two months in the middle of nowhere. We'll name them after Roman emperors, and here we go. Oh, wait. October is the 10th month. Why is oct, which normally means eight, eight right. the 10th month? Because we ham-fisted <laughs> July and August. 
<laughs> and for Julius and Augustus Caesar. Okay. Oh, man. <laughs> Another empire that kind of failed. Romans. Well, uh, yeah, and th- there definitely is a, a correlation between the two on this one because uh, the, the guy definitely, we've talked about it before, that um, Kaiser and uh, Tsar both came from the word Caesar, that that was the Russian and German interpretations of Caesar. And Hitler loved to play the fiddle. Yeah. <laughs> Also, why do you story. know that? Nah, just, that was not real. Yeah, okay. That, that was. But if you say it with an authoritative voice, uh, you can get away with a lot of bullshit. Now, Eric's very convincing on that one here. So that's why if we put Eric in well, charge of this camp, it would have worked out pretty good, I think. Um, only catch, right? I'm selling you a pretty good camp so far, right, Cahoons? Yeah. I think it's a good thing there. Um, so in order to get you access to these bands, these parties, and this cool summer camp up in Long Island, hanging out with hot chicks and drinking Oktoberfest beers all day, the only catch is you have to swear your allegiance to the leader of another country. All right? Okay. Maybe not a country that, you know, you're, you're, you've never been to before, but you don't have any bad feelings about, right? Yeah, whatever. You're just a young... You're 15, dude. Going yeah. to summer camp for free. Going to summer camp. That's this is it. great. Make the move. Swear allegiance to another country. It is what it is. You're not at war with them or anything, right? Yeah, no. Right. Not wait, a, wait. Not a bad guy. Kind of a funny-looking little guy with a... Yeah, Charlie Chaplin's kind of making fun of him. Oh, no. (laughs) It's a weird thing. Uh, I like to think I wouldn't, but it's very hard to tell what people really thought of the Nazi party and Adolf Hitler before it became glaringly apparent that we were going to be heading to war with them and that the guy doing these uh, mass exterminations was a little bit more than just a goofy dictator who uh, wanted to kind of clean up the streets of Germany. Yeah, funny little guy with a mustache, former life. He was a wallpaper hanger, but, uh, you know. (laughs) This is what happens when you fuck over an artist. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) that really is the truth. It's uh, (laughs) way, way up there in Long Island, hilariously close to, like what I said, what we call uh, Fire Island, is a town called Yaphank, New York. Eric, you ever been? No, I have not. Okay. Now, there's a, a tie-in here eventually to the great state of New Jersey, and our, another one of our little shameful chapters. And <laughs> Lawrence Patrick Burke has uh, some interesting experiences over there. So, um, this was the location. I went to summer a, camp there? No. Yes, no. Oh. Well, we're about to find out, aren't we? Now, keep in mind, guys, I'm adopted, so I'm nothing but Irish. And uh, good old uh, Larry here, German-Irish. Right. So, yeah, it's a, it's a weird thing. And, so. and then my crazy lineage of, you know. German, Austrian, and Hungarian with quite a bit of Mongolian gypsy in there. Okay. Yeah. Uh, the proverbial mud. Conquering people. <laughs> it's, uh, it's wild. It's intense. It's goofy here. But guys, the topic is very simple. We're going to be talking about a camp known as Camp Siegfried that was up in New York. This was a summer retreat. They trained tigers there. Trained tigers. <laughs> that was the location of a family-friendly summer camp that was geared specifically towards German Americans and specifically towards German youths who fit this certain description. They wanted Nordic-looking, non-Jewish males. That's what they were recruiting heavily at this camp here, right? So trying to put together a little Aryan army, if you will. So like the opposite of what they were recruiting for the train line? Uh, essentially, yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah, dude. It was a, a intense times, too, because keep in mind, there's a lot. You could say that you were, oh, well, I'm of German heritage. Why wouldn't I be allowed to go to this German retreat? I'm like, oh, well, if we're really not looking for us Jews, it seems to be a little bit of a problem. Yeah. You had to, pa- you had to pass a, uh, a checklist of uh, do's and don'ts that, uh, before you could <laughs> do's and don'ts. get access to. And it wasn't just boys. It was boys and girls. I mean, it was, yes. uh, it was, it was both. We'll get into that. From uh, yeah. eight, eight to 18, I think, was the, uh, the age limit. So, Well, uh, the Long Island Railroad actually ran a weekend morning train from Yorkville, Manhattan, that would essentially drop people off at the little German family summer retreat known as Camp Siegfried 
every time I hear trains and and anything Nazi related, I get very very concerned real quick. Exactly. Even though we're in the middle of the U.S., it wasn't I'm, a cattle car. I know it wasn't, yeah. but still, I'm just like, uh oh. Anytime I hear trains with any of this shit, I'm just like, oh fuck. You yeah. get nervous because you know something. These people at the time didn't. Yeah, kind of crazy. Knew that the about? trains would be on time. <laughs> Yeah, there's a lot of uh, fascism and uh, communism are kind of duking it out over in Europe around this time frame. And Yorkville, by the way, a neighborhood on the Upper East Side of Manhattan, was very famous at the time for its strong German population. Right. At the outbreak of World War One, the two biggest ethnic populations in America were, give me a guess, Cahoons. No. I know Eric probably knows it. So <laughs> I don't, I don't we're talking about one of them. Uh, it's the Germans. Germans and Italians? I don't yeah, know. Well, Ger- the Italians were very Italians big are going to come, but the, at, at the outbreak of World War One, it's German and Irish, yeah. which, oh, which okay. got really interesting for them because now the U.S. is saying, well, hey, we're going to go to war with Germany to defend Britain. So now you're pissing off the Germans. Like, hey, wait, you're going, we got to go fight our cousins? And then the Irish are sitting there like, no, we got to go help England? We just came over. <laughs> we we're just trying to avoid those, those guys. guys. Right. Yeah, well, the Germans, the Irish, and also the Italians that were very large uh, – makeup of the uh, overall population of the U.S., either firstborn or, or um, you know, ancestors of. Well, we we leaned on the Irish side because they helped us build the railroad. That's a <laughs> the Long Island Railroad that is now taking some of these German kids yep, to this the, Camp Siegfried. Patty on the railway. But, yeah, the, and, and the, talking about the railroad, the Long Island Railroad uh, would run – as you said, kept special special trains on the weekends out to Camp Siegfried to uh, go from Yorkville, Manhattan, to uh, out to Long Island to uh, that is yeah, special. <laughs> well, it's uh, it's interesting here at the time too. Post World War One Germany, to me, arguably the most fascinating thing going on in human history ever. Right, this crazy guy named Hitler is rising to power with this Nazi Party of National Socialists. They're constantly at war in the streets trying to keep Germany from falling into the hands of the communists, which they're scared shitless of communism because Russia used to be and, you know, that was an autocratic nation. There, there was a czar over there. There was and there were cousins. They all kind of knew each other. I mean, so that entire royal family got turned over and murdered <laughs> by the rising Bolsheviks. Right. There's also a lot of things. Anti-Semitism, a lot of the original paperwork has its roots in Russia around that time frame because they were going against like Rasputin and everything here, too. So there was a cartoon about it. It's a, oh man, well Anastasia, Anastasia joke. Yeah. <laughs> I told you he's good. So, <laughs> but they're pretty fascinating, man. Hitler's rising to power over here. This Nazi party is interesting because they're highly effective, and their charismatic, goofy leader Adolf Hitler is at least tackling the issues facing Germany at the time head on. And even crazier, this guy's getting results. Yeah, post World War life. Yeah, post World War One. I, I mean, Germany is in in total in the shitter. I mean, there's a worldwide. <laughs> Depression, but Germany is really well. They were really sanctioned killing. against that they right. couldn't do anything because right. they were like, "Hey, we were winning World War One, but we kind of just edged it out at the end, and lost." And the guys that won were like, "Well, that can't happen again. Fuck you. <laughs> you can't do a damn thing. Right? No army, no navy, no quote unquote air force at the time because you know." biplanes and bullshit you know they couldn't produce anything for war because it would have been seen as an act of war right. that's what sneaks just under the radar for more of a science program rockets 
Germany, yes. Germany gets very, very good with rockets, as we covered in the Gus Grissom episode. Right. And also a couple other episodes, too. Uh, Werner von Braun. Werner von Braun, Werner von Braun the mm. Disney guy. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We, right. uh, we upset Kahuna a little bit in that episode. I think. Yeah, that, yeah, that was, that was I have the Braun. rockets. <laughs> the only problem is... V2. <laughs> which becomes the A4. Dr. David Warmflash taught us that one, man. Um, the it's only not the problem bell, is, though. So, yeah. <laughs> then we'll get back to time travel. Well, uh... Time travel would be interesting for this one because could you imagine being around in 1938 and Time Magazine is proclaiming Adolf Hitler as the man of the year? It's a true story. That actually did happen. I yep. was like, yep. could you? Im- yep. I was like, that did happen. Yeah, when? but uh, going back in time, like, oh, this is, I wound up in somewhere weird dystopian future. Nope, that's happening. This was the correct timeline here. Well, I mean, you go back to Time's man of the year and you look at who it was for each year. It's not always congruent with, you know, something good. Yeah. Right. Uh, I think FDR was, was a two-time was, winner. Stalin, two-time winner. Gandhi had won it in 1930. You know, so it's... Is that uh, the year he raped that chick? Oh, Jesus, Eric. Jesus, man. <laughs> Come on. Oh, my God. All right. Well, enough about that. We're getting sued for this one. We know that much. <laughs> <laughs> Here goes the podcast. But <laughs> Oh, his estate doesn't have any money. <laughs> <laughs> well, here's some ideas, right, that Hitler has. Everyone should have a car or at least a Volkswagen. The, <laughs> the Autobahn should probably. Yeah, that sounds like a good idea. Let's get that going here. Maybe uh, we're going to unify the German provinces and create a 20th century version of the Holy Roman Empire while reversing the abysmal dire straits that Germany was facing in the post-World War I economic collapse, right? But uh, just public don't get... Works, public works, get everybody working, get everybody a job, get a paycheck coming in and... Get a sense of pride. The, we're the roads. Mm-hmm. Build the roads, build the things that will go on the roads, and then give you money for vacations and build the places to go on vacation at. He was uh, very effective. This economic turnaround, kind of mind-blowing. Right. And then yeah. on top of that. Oh, yeah. I mean, again, we're in the middle of a depression. So he's he's given people uh, a job. Their money is now coming in. Plus, there's a, a complete change around from uh, World War One, where um, that whole defeatist attitude, if you will, that uh, it really wasn't um, a victory dance that the allies were doing because. And actually, the end of World War One, there was an armistice. It was just a ceasefire kind of a thing. But uh, then the Allies put such restrictions on Germany that uh, their economy just totally collapsed. So he's instilling some nationalistic pride. He's pointing the finger of, of blame uh, on on the Jews and and the the old guard, if you will, that kind of sold out the uh, the German people. So. You know, there was a sense of uh, it wasn't your fault that we lost this war. We had to sign this armistice. It was somebody else betrayed us. They betrayed so, you. Right. Yeah. But you, you you mean getting behind your country and believing in it would actually help the country, like, be better? Hard to believe, right? A right. sense of national pride. All of a sudden, maybe people are uh, at, maybe there's something special about these German people because that's a lot of the stuff they're digging bad. up. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, anyway, this Hitler guy's solving a lot of problems. The turnaround's going on over here, and the only thing is just don't get him talking too too loud about the Jews. That seems to be his big thing, <laughs> right? This Nazi party wants to last forever, and a big part of making sure that you have a legacy to leave behind is always going to be where with the children. The youth of today, the leaders of tomorrow. And this was apparent in Germany where uh, the Hitler youth had been in existence since 1922. Hitler had some big plans for the future leaders of the Nazi empire. 
the brainwashing would be on full display during the late 20s and the 1930s to ensure that the Nazi army that eventually would be fighting the entire world, that great Norm MacDonald joke, you know, uh, Germany picked as, as its opponent, not once but twice, the entire world. <laughs> right, right. And it was close. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, 1920s and 30s here, all this stuff's going on uh, in Germany, getting real interesting whatnot here. Uh, but now what he needs is he needs that, Hitler kind of had, first of all, bad guy. I think we can all agree on that. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. yeah. Well, let's not sugarcoat this. Yeah. Let's, I'm willing to take a stand and say Monster? I'm against Hitler, personally, guys. But anyway, um, he is a genius, though, because if you start recruiting and brainwashing these kids when they're in their formative, like, 12 to 15 years old, when you, that's when you get them. These guys are going to be ready, willing, and able to fight this war that's coming that you know is on its way. Okay? So he's he started, got to get them while they're young. It's like cigarettes. So, but the brainwashing is uh, certainly happening here because he's getting these, uh, his army in the Nazis is now going to be made up by adults that have pledged their loyalty to the cause since a very young age. So it almost is becoming, you know, father Hitler. If Early you know. onset not, brainwashing. Right. Mm-hmm. have not known anything else other than uh, complete um, compliance. Obedient, compliance, obedience yeah. to uh, the Führer. Well, uh, Hitler's pretty much in charge of uh, every part of your life at this point too. But by diving into some mysticism, that was regarding uh, the uh, Aryan blood and the Germans is known as, uh, again, Eric, the master race. But we're going to say something. In quotes. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> uh, well, yeah, I mean, Hitler was in charge in Europe, but, I mean, we're, we're talking about a camp in Long Island, Long New, York. Island New York. I mean, Hitler wasn't here. No, not yet. Not yet. <laughs> It's very weird, though, because that mysticism about this purity of the Aryan blood and the Germans as the master race, you know, that probably sounds pretty good to Germans. <laughs> yeah, that's that they have their ILAC tag. I am loving and capable. I'm special. I get a little star on their chest, you know, <laughs> but it becomes pretty easy what to see why. Star? Exactly. I was waiting for that one. Um, <laughs> it became pretty. Uh, <laughs> it becomes very easy to see why telling a teenage German boy that he was a borderline superhuman. Add in some fun summer camp trips, and you got yourself a positive feeling about the Nazi party all the way over here in America. So, like we said, Hitler is pretty much sealed. Actually, what's it, 1933, Dad? He's pretty much consolidated all of his power. Right. He's, he's large and in charge by, by 33, but um, he's he's absolutely forming a plan. And, um, you know, at the same time, his overall goal is to rule the world, let's face it. But he's got to do it in small bites at a time, if you will, at least initially to start off. So although he wants to spread the Nazi uh, ideology out to the world and start to lay the groundwork with some of these youth camps, in Germany they started the Hitler Youth um, Movement, but he was going to expand that into the United States. But at the same time, he's not looking to go to war with the United States. Actually, he, he realizes to keep them that's neutral. That was the goal. Right, right. To keep them neutral for as long as possible. Let me deal with the European side of things. Side note, fuck Eatontown, all right? This goddamn hellhole. Sorry <laughs> if you guys just had to hear an ambulance or a cop car go by, but it's a shithole, this town. Anyway. <laughs> but they're essential workers. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry to cut you off there, but it is what it is. We got to make do with it. Um, now, interestingly enough, like you said, Dad, he wants to unify Germany, so he's getting this German spirit, right, the sense of nationalism and pride, getting everything swelled up over there. And the reason why he's curious about, you know, Germany over here, uh, Germany's curious about the United States, I should say, 
is because there's a large German population over there. So, oh, these guys are, they're still Germans. They're just in another spot. So let's get a, a good positive vibe going for them over there. Eric, I'm terrified. Anytime you start writing notes, what do you got, brother? Oh, no, no, no. It, it's for later. Don't, don't worry. I, I have to find the perfect correlator. A good teaser for the, the rest of the episode. Yeah. Then. yeah and again, that, well, it'll get there. Don't, don't worry. I just got to find the right spot. That doesn't make me any less scared. <laughs> Set us up for success here, LP. No, but I was saying, again, um, there's a worldwide depression going on. So a lot of people are looking at what's going on in Germany that, hey, this funny little guy with the mustache is making shit happen in, in Germany. And we're still in the shitter here in the United States with the depression. So, you know, there's um, an uptick in people thinking, well, maybe communism is the best way to go. Maybe this whole fascist thing is the way to go. It's certainly helping Germany. And uh, there's another little guy in uh, Italy, uh, Benito Mussolini, that's making some shit happen. At least he's making the trains run on time um, in, in Italy. So, uh, you know, maybe there's something going on that uh, there's something to be said for that. I mean, I think the vast majority of people saying that you can recognize that this guy is um, – not to be trusted, not not to, you know, don't place any bets on, on Hitler. But at the same time, shit ain't happening right now. I mean, FDR, our president, is trying to put forth these various programs to get people back to work because there's bread lines, there's soup lines. Uh, unemployment is, is huge here in the United States. So shit ain't really uh, all rosy here in the United States. We got either, our own so, problems. I'm yeah. not concerned about what's going on in the country. Maybe, I maybe it's time yeah. to look at something else that uh, might, might work out for us. Yeah. I mean, even the baseball players in the off season had to sell cars. It's, <laughs> <laughs> well, it's true. Also, another interesting thing about FDR is if you talk to true communists, they hate FDR because they say that he bastardized uh, a lot of the visions of communism by creating these government programs so that he took them and infused them with some capitalist ideas. So it's a, it's a weird vibe. There's a, FDR doesn't have a whole lot of friends. Uh, you know, a lot of critics, not a whole lot of friends, but you're in literally, this is the Schitt's Creek without a paddle portion of the United States history too. But the idea is that Hitler's going to use this German pride, kind of build a bridge of sorts to get this positive image in America about his Nazi party over in Germany. So he intended to make sure that the future leaders of the United States were Aryans. Because that'll be an easier way to sell him on like, hey, let's work together. Germany, America, come on, we got a thing going here, right? So even if the Americans have no clue what's coming up, Hitler's still sitting there trying to get allies so that he can have them set up for a later date. So uh, now who were Hitler's friends of the Nazi party in America? Uh, Dad, what do you know about uh, Fritz Julius Kuhn? Uh, well, Fritzy, he was, uh, <laughs> call him Fritzy, right. Fritzy. Yeah. Um, he's a veteran of, of world war one, uh, for the German side. Um, again, he's, he's upset. Not just a veteran. He was awarded the iron cross, yeah, which is essentially the medal of honor. A, for war, a war hero oh, yeah. of, of the German nation, uh, from world war one. He's a smart guy. He's got his, uh, masters in, uh, chemical engineering, um, Early 30s, he comes to the United States, so he's not an American citizen, but two years after arriving in the United States, he gains American citizenship. He's a, a dreamer. So, yeah. <laughs> now, there was... And he's not the only one. <laughs> yeah. There's a speculation that, um, you know, the Nazis in Germany are now sending 
delegates, if you will, to uh, worldwide to try to promote this whole uh, German uh, nationalistic spirit and start some of these uh, uh, German uh, youth camps. Oh, yeah. They um, were they were all over the globe doing that. But mm-hmm. like you guys brought up earlier, Russia was doing that, too, because they want to have their fingers and everything. And the weird thing that nobody really ever talks about is Africa. Like, the the northern coast of Africa and the occupation of Russia and Germany in that time was insane. Like they basically used that as their laboratory to the point where Stalin's scientists were using apes to try and crossbreed with humans and become super soldiers. What? <laughs> yeah. So movies like Overlord and stuff, um, Castle Wolfenstein, all that stuff, video games. Yeah. Did you just mention Overlord, one of the most slept on movies of the last few years? It's a fantastic. It, that's a so, fantastic movie. Yeah. There's a couple things that annoy me about it, but we'll get into that at another time. Is but, it the use of the soundtrack? Because it's not period specific. <laughs> well, it's also the use of the hundred first Airborne, but it's uh anyway that doesn't. We have it's to got talk a about lot that. of problems. But, but it's not a stretch for them to have a sci-fi thing that they got to be dealing with over there because the Germans were just kind of that bad. Right? Oh, yeah, no, um, the Russians were actually trying to breed humans with orangutans. And had they realized that chimps were closer, they may have been successful. <laughs> oh, Jesus. <laughs> I told you we were going to upset the boy today, right? <laughs> By the way, that's that's what I was writing down. <laughs> we're going to upset right, so you Karina. got it in there. You I, got it in. I, I did. I knew we'd here. get there eventually. Well, uh, so, Dad, he does come to America, and we have a little loser reception here, the first of many. Fritz uh, Julius Kuhn, who, again, has a master's degree in chemical engineering. I think the Nazis like to mess around with some of that stuff. That's going to be a guy that's on their, uh, their list, if you will. But he makes it over to America, and he's living in Detroit. And guess where he's working at the time? Guess where he's, You want to guess where he's working? In Detroit? In Detroit. Uh, so you, big sign here. The Ford Motor Company. Ford uh, Motor Company. Yep. Okay. Yep. Yeah, and while he's over here, I mean, there's a lot of, uh, in Germany, there's the new German attitude, new Germany, and there's different clubs or associations, whatever you want to call it, uh, leagues that now in America, they're doing the same type of thing. You got to remember that there's a very large um, American population that comes from uh, German heritage. Um, So, and in Detroit, uh, New York, New Jersey. I mean, throughout the United States, there's a large German population that um, are either first or second generation uh, German, and um, they start setting up um, this New Germany kind of a club or association, Friends of New Germany. Uh, there was a New German attitude in Germany itself. So now they're just bringing it across the Atlantic into, into America. The friends of new Germany then morphed into, um, the German American Bund. Now Bund is a German word that means alliance. So it's just the German American club, just as we have the Irish American club, the Italian American club, the Polish American club. Well, this just happened to be the German American, uh... the German American club, the Bund. And Which is interesting because uh, Kuhn's going to become the leader of the German-American Bund. He is. And uh, that organization is essentially the one that goes on to run the infamous Camp Siegfried. So this camp is seen as a family-friendly place. German pride on full display, traditional German food, beer, and music. And lederhosen. 
And yes, well, and again, you have the. <laughs> well, girls. that's all part of your German heritage. Yeah. Uh, and the chicks are dressed like St. Pauli's girls. I mean, why wouldn't what young man wouldn't go there and be like, all right, so I'll hear these yeah. guys out. This is you know, let me hear your pitch about a timeshare. Speaking of which, I'm going <laughs> to grab another beer right behind me. Actually, uh, drinking Ross IPA here on the show today, guys. So everybody knows, but uh, shout out to John Kakoza and the boys. But again, this camp is seen as a family friendly place, and uh, by the way, it's a well attended camp too. On German Pride Days, when they'd have like these national parties for people of German heritage, Mm -hmm. as many as 40,000 people would attend this camp. Yeah, this wasn't just a small little uh, faction type of a thing. And I got a lot of fellow campers. (laughs) Right, right. (laughs) And everybody from the neighborhood, uh, all your buddies from the neighborhood are probably going to be there as well. Because, um, again, New York and New Jersey has a very large German-American population. uh, But this is not just limited to Long Island. This is throughout the United States that um, by the end of the 30s, there are now 19 different camps Mm -hmm. that are similar to Camp Siegfried. We're just zoning in on Siegfried right now because uh, that was one of the better known or more uh, populated uh, ones. And you're running special trains out to this camp for during the summer for the for the weekend specials and the various German-American celebrations. And again, we know what we know how this movie ends. We know the the pure evil that's on its way. But camps and trains kind of a German thing here. Right. It's definitely a gross (laughs) way to start off talking about it. But the good times that they're having over at the trains at the camps and everything is actually a little bit of a trade off for the boys of the camp. While they certainly enjoyed the outdoors, uh, the parties they were getting to have, and then the encouraging attitudes given to them by adults saying, like, hey, uh, see that German girl over there, the one with the blonde hair and blue eyes? Yeah, you should go. Uh, you, you two should go spend some time together out in the woods. So I like to think that I wouldn't have joined. First of all, I'm Irish, so I don't know if they would have had me. I'm, yeah, but you got the blue eyes and blonde I hair. I have blue eye, blonde hair you. with Nordic <laughs> looks. Speaking of you, you know, guys, like, who, you're making the joke that I would go. Look at me. <laughs> well, we'd have to have some alterations. <laughs> but we'll, we'll sneak in. It's, uh, it's a weird thing. I'd like to think I wouldn't do it, but if you set me up and you're like, oh, yeah, you see that girl who looks like Alicia Silverstone over there? Yeah, you should go have sex with her. I'd be like, oh, whatever this Hitler guy says, I mean, I'll hear him out. Right, right, right. I'm a patient guy. It's your duty. Yeah. <laughs> go you have to pledge duty. your allegiance to... Yeah, okay, sorry. But... Now, it's weird, man. So they're just trying to set up a, a bunch of uh, blonde hair, blue eyed people uh, to mix up with other blonde hair, blue eyed people. Uh, if you were Jewish, you kind of weren't allowed to. They, they were weird about this. If you were non-Jewish and a Aryan male, though, you were required to take part in paramilitary training. As part of your uh, welcoming stay here like at Camp Six, program. Yeah, just a little right. discipline. Get right. some confidence in these boys, you know? It's a Germans kind of a Boy Scouts that uh, we're going to go out and into the woods it and is upsetting. And, yeah. uh, we're, and actually, they're the kids, the the youth are responsible for the construction of a large part of the infrastructure of the camps. So. And we found out that there's two reasons for that. One is the idea that these kids are going to help build the camp because uh, a it's cheaper. You don't have to you know bring in anybody else. You get free labor out of the kids, right? Child. Yeah, they built the Southern State Parkway. Mm-hmm. It's wait a minute. No, I'm fucking <laughs> yeah. He had you going though. He did for a second. I saw that look. He's I, uh, the only reason I stopped myself is because he hit me with the Mandela effect on the way down and convinced me of a memory that I never had being true. So <laughs> I told you again, Eric Albert, you got to be careful with him. He's uh, <laughs> he's the Cheshire Cat of my life. But, um, uh, but anyway, so you do use these kits now to build this camp, and that serves two purposes. One, it's the idea of like, oh, we're giving you. Uh, some pride in your work here. You're building this camp. You know, it's something to do for these kids during the day. And then also, you don't have to hire the labor unions. 
right? Which is important to them for two reasons. One, it's cheaper. You're not bringing in the labor unions. And then number two, the Germans, as smart as they were, had some misconceptions about a couple of things. They erroneously thought that because of the heads of like the manufacturing unions and stuff like that, you know, the, the, which is mostly Jewish leaders for manufacturing, the garment district, stuff like that. Um, Textiles. Triangle shirtwaist factory fire for those who want to remember that one. Ooh. Okay. A lot of union leaders of, of uh, you know, Jewish um, uh, faith and culture became, uh, you know, big names in that thing. And that's where a lot of the reforms came from. They didn't realize that they just heard union and they said, oh, it must be all unions have, you know, Jewish leadership. So they didn't want to deal with them. Meanwhile, they were kind of wrong. What they needed would have been like carpenters union, the electricians, stuff like that. And it's teamsters. You know, uh, my my one great <laughs> my one great buddy um, that I knew out in the navy. He was a uh, Duran Alisarov. He had a great line. He was uh, he was born in Israel, and he had a great joke about. It. He goes uh, talking about manual labor. He goes, the Jews haven't done manual labor since the pyramids. <laughs> <laughs> so. That was his uh, his go to joke on this one, but now you got the boys out there. So yeah, it's great. You get to hook up with you know hot German chicks. Um, you get to have these big parties. You're drinking Oktoberfest beer. Polka music's playing. You know, uh, why wouldn't these guys? You know, it's worth it. But also, life's not exactly great for them. There's a discipline aspect to it. The ROTC thing. You have to listen to German philosophers come and speak to you. You have to go to these meetings at night where they keep drilling it into your head that Hitler's actually the only guy who's really fighting for you and blah, blah, blah. And, uh, this German national pride now needs to, it doesn't have to just exist in Germany. We can have the Americans. You have part of that in you. You know, we're actually, we're so much more in common than we have anything different, you know? And these kids are sleeping out in tents and uh, it's... You're singing the German songs around the campfire. campfire songs and and yep. yeah, his struggle was your struggle. Oof, the Kampf. Yeah, isn't that the thing, right? So, now again, like we said, the... the it's kind of an interesting time for these kids. The boys are training and dressing in military fashion. They're being inundated with speeches and lectures about the superiority of their gene pool. They were encouraged to date German girls and be developed into the future leaders of tomorrow. The Bund and Kuhn were clearly sympathetic to the Nazi government, but on paper said they had no affiliation to Hitler. Well, to be fair, there was a little bit of diversity there. They didn't just wear the brown shirts. They wore the black shirts, too. So there's a little bit of the, <laughs> the Italian fascism in there a, in with it. That was, yeah, that's how you get, uh, you start bringing the Italian kids around. It's a, it's a whole other ball game. Then, well, know? I mean, yes, Long Island, what are you going to do? That's <laughs> Well, um, just it, because that your uniforms look just like the Hitler Youth uniforms back home in Germany, yeah. it's, it's again, it's a well, brown shirts and black it's shirts. A, it's a nationalistic yeah, brown pride. shirts with neckerchiefs. Uh, you know, clean cut <laughs> kids, the future leaders of tomorrow. Is this the Boy Scouts, Dad? Yeah, well, it was Eagle, uh, Eagle initially Scouts. tried to be painted that way. Yep, they certainly did try to have a wholesome image created on that one. I mean, that's terrible too for a, an evil organization to get compared to the Nazis. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Teasing Eagle Scout here. I'm allowed to say that, but um, so a touchy Kuhn, subject. Yeah. <laughs> oh, <laughs> but bump. Wow. Well, Kuhn says he has no affiliation to uh, Hitler, but also at the same time, he's taking 50 of his most devout followers on a pilgrimage of uh, sorts, if you will. I know a lot of my Jewish friends, they get that birthright trip where they get to go to Israel. You know, so that's kind of a cool thing. I was hoping when my ancestry report came back, if it was Jewish, then I could get a free trip to Israel out of it. But usually, when you say pilgrimage, I think Mecca. That's, that's say, entirely yeah. <laughs> not a little right. different. Yeah, yeah, a little different. I wish there was an Irish birthright, and they would send me to Galway to see where my people came from. But you got to go kiss the Barney Stone. That's what you do. That's uh, yeah. My father's hoping that that will have the uh, reverse effect, and it will take away my gift of gab. So. <laughs> 
But uh, Kuhn's going to take 50 of the most devout followers on a pilgrimage of sorts to Germany itself in 1936. Dad, why is 1936 an important year in German history? Well, because in uh, 1936, uh, Germany was hosting the Olympics. So it was Hitler's hope that uh, with the 1936 uh, Olympics. That's that, what Carl Lewis made him look like an asshole. Uh, right. Well, a number of <laughs> different people. Jesse Owens uh, year too, right? A number of different people uh, did. But, um, yeah, it was his hope that, uh, you know, the whole um, – Aryan race uh, picture was going to be further uh, painted as to, uh, you know, we are the masters and we're better than everybody else. And things didn't quite go that way due to due to Carl. But uh, uh, that was the hope. And, you know, again, I I think it's important that uh, Hitler really did not want to stir up too much shit in America just yet. Um, He was really hoping that with all his. uh, aspirations for world domination that let's right. let's make sure that we keep United States neutral. So uh, Kuhn uh, was really not going with the game plan here that he was he was speechifying and everything else and and stirring up a lot of notice that Hitler, although he wanted the uh, the German American youth to be developed into the future leaders of America. Mm-hmm. Uh, he did not want to piss off the United States to the point where, all right, now we're we're no longer neutral. We got we got to cut this shit out. But by '36, things were still, you know, we're neutral and we're going over there. Kuhn goes over there with, like you said, 50 of his most devout American followers, and there's uh, he's hoping for a big uh, photo opportunity with mm-hmm. the Führer and everything else. And it was uh, attributed that uh, Führer called him the American Fuhrer. So at least and that's the way the newspapers yeah, and painted Kuhn's him up. up. He goes, hey, did you hear what Hitler called me, guys? This guy Hitler, he just loves me. He tells me I'm like I'm like him over here. Right, right. I'm the I'm the big I'm the big cheese. I'm the big swinging dick in the, in the United States as far as kind of like how I'm the Colin Quinn of New Jersey. That's like that's like if a few years ago I was I'll like, hey you. KP, I got a film job. Oh, who are you working for, man? I'm assistant to Harvey Weinstein. <laughs> Solid. There you go. There you go. Well, um, the camp and Kuhn are starting to appear as more than just this summer retreat, and uh, maybe Kuhn's more than just a community organizer. The Hitler Youth flags, paintings of Hitler, and open discussions of anti-Semitism are a jarring transition away from the beer hall girls and the polka music. I mean, don't get me wrong, I'm into blonde hair, blue-eyed chicks, but at some point I'm going to have to ask, are the Jews really this bad? I mean, I feel like we're focused on... You get me on board with most of your program. It's the whole part about rounding them up and exterminating them all. That you know, Are they really to blame for everything? It sounds like sounds like we're jumping to some conclusions here, you know? Little Occam's yeah. razor. Yeah, and when you're at camp, I mean, this wasn't just for, uh, for kids. Um, this camp was also these, you know, uh, all-age brackets, uh, celebrations of all things mm-hmm. German. Um, but the summer camp, when you start raising the flags in the morning, because they were very, you know, on paper, Regimented? Least, very yeah, <laughs> pro, uh, pro-America. pro But when you were raising the flag in the morning and you're putting the Nazi flag above the, you know, the flag of the United States and you're saluting the flag with the Hitler salute, uh, you know, the one-armed raising the air. That, uh, that's, well, that, that's also how they saluted the American flag. Right, that's what I'm saying. They yeah. would raise the flags. Flag ceremony in the morning was not quite like uh, Boy Scout summer camp, where you're no hand over your heart, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. above your head at a 45 degree angle. There a you little, go. Uh, a little weird side note here too is that um, under duress, someone said, "Well, how do you guys salute?" You know, when they were investigating the camp a little bit, how do you guys salute? Um, 
the American flag. I mean, what's the American salute? And he did the Heil Hitler thing, you know, obviously Lindsey Kyle. And um, then he, uh, they asked him, they said, oh, uh, and is that the American salute? And he goes, no, but it will be. They thought oh. That, oh. they had laid some groundwork That's here. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, Hans and Fritz are, uh, <laughs> the boys Hans and Franz are going to uh, pump you up in a, a sense over here. So they got a whole idea going on. Um, now, it's important to keep mentioning this part, too. Uh, Hitler and the Bund are going to keep up their efforts overseas. The young men that joined the ranks of the summer camp were continuing to grow into what Hitler hoped would be the Nazi friends in America. Hitler, again, despite all of his awful ideas, is still being pretty smart here. His hope was for the American, uh, sorry, the German-American Bund with that it would instill a strong but stealthy, strong but stealthy was the th- uh, idea, positive idea of the Nazi brand of National Socialism. But uh, our boy Kuhn, anything but stealthy, right, Eric? He had a little... Oh, he's a sledgehammer. Yeah, he just wants to put on a show, baby. So <laughs> regular protests are occurring, and Kuhn's agitation of World War I veterans, many of them Jewish, got a little too much attention to be considered stealthy, to the point where the American Fuhrer seemed to revel in the heat from the gas that he'd been pouring on the fires here. This displeased Hitler. He needed the U.S. to stay neutral, like we said, for the coming war. In fact, it got so bad, it got so bad in late 1938, the Nazis actually put out a formal decree that no German nationals, people who were citizens of Germany, uh, could join the German-American Bund and that no Swatsigers or Nazi uh, um, uh, propaganda, if you will, or symbols really, could be used by the Bund. That's when you know you're bad. When the Nazis feel like they have to get some distance between you right. and them because you're starting to get associated with some bad <laughs> shit. Right. Like, Kuhn was he, – he fucked up. Like <laughs> he really did to the point where I don't know I don't know if you're going to get to what oh, we're, happens We're about to, to get to it. Okay. Because, yeah, he's the loser of this whole thing. We had to have a person. So the, the idea that there's a Nazi summer camp in Long Island is pretty terrifying. So that's going to draw the listeners in. But then we found oh, yeah. Kuhn to be the specific loser for, for this yeah. little weird speck of history. Now, now they're pissed off at him at this point. But we're getting to like, what, August of 38? Yeah, you're getting close to 1939, which yeah. is the high water mark of what's about to happen for these boys. Okay, I just want to make sure we don't gloss over that. Because oh, no. that's... That's like the Hulk Hogan, Muhammad Ali, you know, <laughs> like Springsteen moment. It's it, like it's the Metallica moment of the Nazi party in America. Well, it's uh, I'm going to set you up for success then, dude. All right. Because I, I, I can't wait. Cause you know a bunch about this. And there are some you can watch videos of it on YouTube and stuff like that, too. It's kind of cool. But um Kuhn revved up the vitriol and decides he's going to etch his name into the history books with a date at the world's most famous arena, Kahuna. Want to guess which one it is? Madison Square Garden. You know it, buddy. All right. Ah. Uh, I wish they would get a, a uh, I think Kuhn is on, his, on the laptop. He's, he's, <laughs> no, uh, I didn't look it no, up. Everyone he's reading ahead. He's reading ahead. Yeah, so Billy Joel, another Long Island guy, is going to play his, uh, his concert right. collection up there. But uh, another little group from Long Island decides to make Sing their way down to Madison. Sing a song about the Autobahn. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Oh man! Well, it's uh, it's gonna now be hard got, to talk about. Now we that gotta one. fucking redo that whole damn song. <laughs> <laughs> Don't challenge me like that. No, we're gonna do it in the break. <laughs> well, in 1939, uh, with a crowd of over 20,000 German Americans, the German American Bund holds a pro-Nazi rally honoring Hitler and using images of George Washington standing next to Hitler to rally the sentiment 
that Germany was a friend to America. So big giant painting of George Washington and then a painting of Adolf Hitler right over here next to him. Have you seen the pictures of no. this? Yeah, it's, it's huge. fucking epic. Yeah. Like they went all out for this MSG show. Like it was WrestleMania, bro. 20,000 white people in MSG. Worst Dave Matthews concert ever. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, at this point too, in America, the things, uh, public opinion is starting to go against uh, Hitler and, and Germany because of what, Hitler's been up to with uh, um, annexing uh, parts of Czechoslovakia, and he's Hungary. he's make, and he's making some demands. Uh, I don't think they've quite invaded Poland just yet, but uh, their um, public opinion is starting to sway. Um, the whole German American Bund was uh, um, not on the ropes, but uh, you know, people were starting to question, "Hey, what's what? What are these people really all about?" The camp had protesters at it. There was incidents, um, right. some violence that's going to be breaking out here too. Now, we have another loser reception we're about to get into, which I think is pretty great. So, uh, this image of George Washington and Hitler being buddies is kind of a, a weird thing, you know. We it's uh, kind of a strange vibe. Now, the thing well, is, considering this, he's been dead for. How long? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Well, you got the father of the United States. The father of our country is George Washington. And his he's got a, this huge portrait behind him on the platform in Madison Square Garden. But who's alongside George Washington is Adolf Hitler, the father of the new Germany. Because keep in mind, Germany is a relatively brand new idea at the outbreak of World War One. Before that, it was just a bunch of different provinces and such. So a little side note here, too. Um Germany's making a big push. They're like, well, we're your friends in Europe, you know? We're your friends in Europe. And Americans are sitting like, well, we already got sort of friends in Europe. They're called the British. And, you know, they had to call on us to help out with this war thing, too. So, you know, literally, there's people still alive that were fighting against the Germans, you know? And uh, it's it's a strange time over here. They uh, The British got us into a little bit of shit a couple of decades earlier. But you often hear it said, um, when you're talking about a controversial figure or somebody like that, why even give them a platform, all right? Uh, and people who do allow extremists to have a platform in the modern sense often suffer more consequences than the extremists themselves, which is a little bit backwards for me. But if you're wondering how and why the Nazis were allowed to hold a rally at the world's most famous arena, it's for one reason. And that's because Fiorello LaGuardia fucking said so. <laughs> yeah, but at that same <laughs> time, too, it was, mm -hmm. it was their First Amendment right of free speech that uh, you can you can uh, have free speech and express your opinion under the constitution mm -hmm. but and you can also be dead wrong yeah you mm -hmm. can also be dead wrong but this uh, is true right. it's an ugly part of the the freedom experiment so and it's also cool too because this is a loser reception for longtime listeners uh our our most scholarly effort dad our trilogy on tammany hall <laughs> you would know that uh, the little flower aka the mayor of new york aka the man who broke tammany hall to pieces is also the same man and this is again fiorello laguardia he's the man who allows the nazis to practice their freedom of speech at madison square garden he deploys what at the time, and actually I think the record still might hold, is the most police and security ever for a, an event taking place within New York City. So cops were all over outside dealing with protesters. Uh, you know, violence is breaking out. People are attempting to storm lines and whatnot. Uh, the German-American Bund brought in, I shit you not, they had a, a little military group, a paramilitary wing within their organization. I'll give you one guess, Kahuna, as to what their name was. This this group of uh, ground soldiers, if you will, that were ready to get the fight on. All right. Maybe you'd recognize them more if they were wearing some white armor and walking around the Death Star. Stormtroopers? I shit you not. Storm Are you serious? They were, they were called the Stormtroopers. Absolutely. Yep. 
So and where absolutely. did Lucas get that name from? <laughs> yeah, I wonder. And Han what? Solo had a, a the Evil Empire. His pistol looked like the German Mauser pistol that was used in World War One. There's right. a lot of crazy stuff there. Right. Yeah. That's okay. Yep. Which is mm. why there's a lot of spaghetti western stuff in there because of the Japanese iconography and you know. But yeah, Lucas stole everything. Is what we're trying yeah. to say. <laughs> no, he didn't. No, he didn't. He didn't steal everything. He sold. Stormtroopers were just a private security force <laughs> to guard Harakun. Uh, but what was interesting in the arena in Madison Square Garden, it was probably twenty to maybe I saw estimates to twenty-two thousand people that were in the uh, in Madison Square Garden. Now, now this is the old garden. It's not like it's the new garden, right. and they didn't draw. This was like a 90 to 98% draw at the garden. <laughs> the, it's yeah. good, important to denote that, too, by the way. You had uh, 20,000 inside. You had 100,000 protesters outside. So to say that you had a large police presence um, to make sure that, uh, you know, they weren't going to uh, storm the garden and just start beating the shit out of a lot of people, although that was the, the aim, the gain. Oh, there were some it angry was, folks about this uh, one. Almost you know, LaGuardia made sure that, uh, you know, there wasn't going to be a riot taking place. That's why they had such a large um, security force. I think LaGuardia's idea was let these guys spew all this hatred and, and hate speech and everything else, and they're just going to alienate themselves from uh, the rest of the United States. That uh, Yeah, it's like, it's like arguing with a woman. Let her get her <laughs> stuff out, right? And then once you realize, like, oh, no, you're hungry. <laughs> and then, you know, the next time that there were that many people pissed off at the garden was when Ewing decided to go with a finger roll <laughs> instead of a dunk against the Houston Rockets. It's oh geez, rockets, man! Do it again. Conspiracy theory, Eric is on fire today, <laughs> oh, folks. No. But again, uh, so you're right, Dad. Laguardia is saying, "Well, I'll let these guys talk because a we have to protect them. Uh, they have rights here in America, as much as we don't like the bullshit they're going to say." And um, but also, he's sitting there in the back of his mind, goes, "Well, let's let them talk and let everybody realize just how batshit crazy these people are." So sometimes you don't have to win an argument by speaking. You just have to let the loser keep talking. And LaGuardia is going to let him go ahead and do this. Uh, LaGuardia, despite being responsible for the safety of the event, uh, was attacked by the keynote speaker. The keynote speaker at this rally in 1939 in Madison Square Garden for the German-American Bund, a pro-Nazi, a pro-Hitler rally. Good old Fritz Julius Kuhn is going to be the keynote speaker. I'm shocked. On stage, he's going to go after LaGuardia, too, because LaGuardia was half Jewish. He also called FDR a Jew and mocked him by referring to Frank. He called him Franklin D. Rosenfeld. <laughs> That's a true story. Yeah. Right. And Absolutely. Then, and then he referred to FDR's, uh, I mean, his trademark uh, uh, iconic uh, legislation that the package he put forth to try to get the country back into place was called what, Dad? The New Deal. Or what did Kuhn call it, Dad? <laughs> the Jew Deal. Yeah. This Rosenfeld and his, uh, I like to picture him being like Andrew Dice Clay up there. <laughs> he just got this cigarette behind his head. He goes, it's, it's Rosenfeld, you know, with this Jew Deal. <laughs> oh, I'm over here now. Yeah. <laughs> but he's going after LaGuardia, uh, insulting everyone. Claims that the, the Jews in America were actually the Bolsheviks, right? And why are the Bolsheviks important to, to evoke emotion from? Because... When Russia fell and now was under communist leadership here, uh, the brutal, bloody Russian revolution that went down was taken out by the Bolsheviks. Now, were there Jewish people amongst the Bolsheviks? Yes. But this whole creepy thing about uh, Lenin and uh, yeah. you know, maybe a butcher from Georgia named Stalin. And the whole mindset at the time, as as bad as the, the fascists are in, in Italy and, and in Germany, 
the communists are even worse. So to be a communist is on a lower scale than a fascist. At least a fascist has some some positive things going to a lot of people's mindset. Um, so again, there's like a, a pecking order of how how evil are these guys or how bad are these guys. But um, there's many people that would proclaim themselves as being fascist because at least we're not dirty freaking red communists and yep. we just had you know one of our red scares from prior to the first world war so we've been you know we've been hating communists for a long time now and the fascists is a relatively new a new hate so yep fascists to the right of me commies to the left here i am stuck, stuck in, in the middle, middle. <laughs> with with what with you, baby. <laughs> I, I thought you were going to go with the Jewish thing. Uh, <laughs> no, actually, well, a lot of Jewish World War One veterans are also. Uh, uh, they were of, stuck in the middle. They're definitely in it because they're also fighting in the streets trying to get past these uh, New York City you know, cops. One Jewish veteran actually gets up on stage and gets the shit kicked out of him uh, by the stormtroopers. So the stormtroopers are attacking this guy. Threw him like an Ewok. Yes, yeah, pretty much thrown around like that. And then they also strip him down to almost nothing. And if not for the undercover cops that were in there that breaks, you know, to get to say he probably could have been killed at the event. So only um, murder inside of MSG. Yeah, truth. Well, I mean, without counting uh, Reggie Miller and the Pacers. <laughs> um, again, though, yeah, so, he, he killed Spike Lee's soul. <laughs> that's all that happened there. And that's why I love him for it. But uh, the event was highly publicized and many violent outbursts take place. But if you know anything about LaGuardia, he's going to get you eventually. All right. LaGuardia investigates the Bund for tax fraud and found good old Kuhn had embezzled money from the organization in the thousands. Okay. And it spent it on a mistress. And the Germans didn't uh, like that, did they? No, no, uh, no, no, no. Yeah. <laughs> You're spending all that money. And, you know, there was. She better be Aryan. There's, <laughs> there's speculation. Was she, that, though? I don't know. Don't. Yeah. I didn't have any info on what, uh, what she. It'd be hilarious if it was like a Japanese girl or something. No, it's probably somebody Jewish. <laughs> it probably was. It wouldn't shock me, but I, that's something we're going to have to look into. But we didn't. We I'll didn't help do the research the documentary. All right, listeners, there's your homework. You got to find out. Yeah. You, who, you find who, who that, the, we'll make you a guest star on the show. I found mistress, and I also found mistress says. So he was a, Ooh, he was a, he was a multiple. So uh, yeah, couldn't sling well, I mean, his dick. Right? And there was there was speculation that um, Nazi Germany is secretly funding the uh, German American Bund, um, whether that happened or not but uh a thousand percent <laughs> a thousand percent yeah but at, at the same time i don't think there was really documentation that was brought forward to that but what was found out was that uh old cooney uh dipped his hand into the cookie jar uh to use it on mistresses and they got him for just as they went after al capone for tax evasion they went after him for stealing money from the german american bund association and uh and got him on tax evasion. Yeah, the, the the Nazi party was not happy with what Kuhn did here. And um, what happened to him um, was kind of fitting. Well, before um, before yeah. we hit your, because I know what note you're about to hit, but some weird little thing in history where you have to make sure you read it right twice. You go, hang on, no way. This guy was involved with that. Um, he gets invaded. Uh, again, the indictment gets handed down to him for this tax fraud, if you will, uh, and embezzlement. The indictment's handed down by Thomas Dewey, who would later run and lose the election oh, against FDR. True. Yeah. 
Uh, uh, no, you're right. Truman. Truman. Uh, yeah, Truman, Dewey yeah. beats Truman. So the newspapers erroneously printed that Dewey won. Yeah. And then there's a great photo of Truman holding that up at a, you know one of his press conferences or something saying that he lost the election. So a little parallels to today, too, on uh, some notes on that one. But, right. Another little uh, interception. There. Oh, yeah. Well, how weird is it and wild is it that in a year as early as 1939, a guy who is on stage lambasting the Jewish mayor of New York City, uh, and then later in that same year, he gets uh, sentenced to two to five years in Sing Sing Prison. That's our little uh, fun place to uh, rest your heels on in New York State. Yeah, that's no. a great. Uh, that's another great summer camp. <laughs> but well, he, 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 went, summer. he went to a worse camp. Well, hang on one second, because I'm excited for this. That's going to be probably our final reveal like, this, on this, this one. This is the bomb here. Like this. This is like. Oh well, what happened to him? Holy shit. Instant karma. It really is instant karma. And uh, now also, side note, he's at Sing Sing, which is the very same prison that the Rosenbergs, Jewish spies for Russia, would be sent you to and execute. Rosenbergs. Roosevelt's. <laughs> <laughs> they, uh, they wind up getting uh, executed up there in that very same prison. You would know that if you're a Patreon listener, because that was one of our first episodes, is on the great history of the, uh, the Rosenbergs, who committed some of their... Uh, uh, traitorous acts right here in Eatontown, New Jersey against the United States government. Right next door. Pretty That's much right. for <laughs> Mama's baby. Check that out. Five dollars a month. Less than uh, one large cup of coffee over Dunkin' Donuts. Patreon. <laughs> Smooth, man. He's, he's <laughs> in Smooth. That's good. Smooth as silk. Kuhn would spend time in jail and upon his release would later get deported back to Germany. I'm going to go ahead and ask you, Eric, what happens to Kuhn when he's back in the fatherland? When he goes back to the fatherland? <laughs> well, the Nazi party grabs him by the collar and goes, hey, um, you made us look like assholes. You're going to fucking Dachau. Not Buchenwald, not Auschwitz. Dachau. They send his ass to a fucking concentration camp for what, 10 years? Something like that. Hard right? labor. He lived through it? 10 years hard labor. Oh, yeah, they weren't going to kill him because he was still technically No, they a couldn't kill him because, well... It would have been non-German to kill a German for being German. <laughs> but we'll make you work. That's right. He died in 51. Yeah, uh, his death was reported as being uh, unheralded, so he never really yeah, got to be famous like, like he oh, thought. Let this guy oh. slide into oblivion. And yeah, he wasn't oh, going to be... He, yeah. yeah, no, he wasn't going to be in Argentina getting married to like 14 different people, and his name was <laughs> Joseph Mengele. Uh, Mangala, another weird one on that. So, uh, by the way, Mangala and uh, Goebbels uh, yeah. both have streets that were named after them around this town. It was Holy eventually shit. changed because uh, keep in mind, this rally happens six months later, I believe. Uh, Hitler invades Poland. This town. No, no, no. We're recording it. No, no, no. It wouldn't shock me, though, to find some of this. Stuff yeah. Anyway, it's important, though, to note this. Once we're now at war with Germany, we realize we're going to have an issue with them. They're being the aggressors over in Europe. Uh, that's when public opinion in the United States shifts away towards any sort of sympathetic nature or uh, you know being you know apathetic really to now saying, all right, this guy's going to be a goddamn problem. So uh, Camp Siegfried and the other Nazi camps, two of which were located in what state, Lawrence Patrick Burke? Uh, well, there was a total of nineteen Nazi summer camps throughout the United States. But we had three of them here in our own oh, great state of New me. Jersey. <laughs> Sorry, Where, in Middletown? Not, not quite, but we had... Uh, Perth Amboy. We had one, uh, <laughs> Camp uh, Bergwald, which is in Bloomingdale, New Jersey. Uh, there was uh, another one, Camp Will and Might, 
in Grigstown, New Jersey. Well, where is Grigstown, New Jersey? It's right near Princeton. So we've got some we got some elitists. I think what's important too to understand that in the 1930s um, there was a like a hundred and over a hundred thousand German-born immigrants living here in New Jersey. So we had a very strong German population here in New Jersey, and almost a quarter of the citizens of the United States in the United States now. Uh, or of German descent. So we have a very large German population. Um, and in New Jersey, uh, you know, again, there's over 100,000 German-born immigrants uh, in, here in New Jersey. But we had uh, three. We had uh, Camp Bergwald in Bloomingdale, New Jersey. We had Camp Will and Might, which is in Grigstown or near Princeton, New Jersey. It's a strong name. And probably one of the more famous and larger camps was Camp Nortland which was in Andover, New Jersey. Quick question, Dad. Where did you teach in the 90s? <laughs> Andover, the, uh, <laughs> Andover Regional School System, uh, Andover, New Jersey. Uh, yeah. Absolutely. So um, you camp, actually... Yeah, I, I, I took it upon myself to do a little hiking around uh, what is now known as Hillside Park. Um, it's been renamed, and we no longer call it Camp Nortland. I wonder uh, why. Yeah, I wonder why. Um, but a very large uh, German rally, if you will, was held in Andover, New Jersey. And they invited some friends in to join in on the celebration. I think it was a July 4th celebration. So it was supposed to be a very pro-America um, kind of a thing. And we had Kuhn's speech uh, speaking there. But he also invited in some friends who happened to be the KKK. So we had a major league, you know, 20 foot high cross burning in uh, in Camp Nortland. Um, well, that had to be a sight. Ain't the yeah. first, ain't well, the first bonfire the Because the, the uh, German American Bund had a lot of similar. Uh, philosophies, if you will. And we just love your costumes. <laughs> for, the, for, the, for the same KKK. <laughs> the flamboyance and everything. So you had, you had the white hooded uh, guys on the same stage as the uh, the black shirts and the, and, uh, um, the rest of the, uh, the uh, uh, Nazi organizations up there. Um, initially, the local residents were kind of welcoming these guys. I don't know if it's just like another church group or it's another summer camp like the Boy Scouts. But as the years rolled past and they realized what was going on there um, with all this hate speeching and everything else, um, they the locals quickly realized that, uh, hey, uh, these guys got to go. So um, there was the local county prosecutor, uh, sheriff, and everybody else went against these guys to try to, try to um, draw up whatever they could to get their ouster. And then once uh, Hitler invaded uh, Poland, once the Germans invaded Poland uh, and the United States came into the war, that was that was game over for uh, Camp Nordland. But what's, what I thought was great is uh, many of the buildings are now demolished or long gone and just faded back into the woods. You can still see foundations and chimneys and that kind of stuff. This was a major, major league camp. But the main building where a lot of these rallies were held is still there. Now they don't call it the, anything other than the barn. 
And if you want to, you can rent the barn out for kind of sounds like the bunt for your <laughs> for your wedding reception or whatever. So that uh, Carrie yeah. and Crystal, my so. sisters, uh, my sister in law too. You guys, I hope you're listening because if you can't do the manor in West Orange, we'll take you up to the barn over in Andover. I thought they booked uh, San Quentin. <laughs> <laughs> they might as well. Now that camp changed its name here. We got to land this plane because we got to get out of here for time yeah. constraints. But real quick, LP, think of anything else you want to say on your way out. Eric has a little note. Um, Eric, when did Camp Siegfried close? Well, um, you know, Northland closed uh, well before Siegfried. Fucking Eaton Town. We're in we'll, the other we'll, studio today, if you guys can't tell. But we'll wait keep that, going. Cam <laughs> um, Siegfried, Kahuna, what do you think? Over when, under. When it closed? Over yeah, under. Figure your we're gonna, the we're 1940s. End it on this, right? Yeah, we'll, yeah we'll, when we'll you already got the street name, so, what? Mean, you had Goebbels Avenue or whatever. That got it was. changed right away. So I'll tell you what, I do want to. We're going to end on this. 1946. Oh, oh, try 2017. <laughs> You're fucking lying. I wish I was. Long in Island May has a history of uh, being stubborn. New York state prosecutors announced that they had reached a settlement with the league to end any discriminatory housing policies and practices. Because they, um, in order to buy property there, they wanted it to be it German was, families. It was basically a community. Where they were just like a private were, community, a private it was community. a private community. So in order, just you, like you can only move here if you pass our basically like the board. Are you freaking kidding me? Oh no, no. Well, I guess I was really wrong. It's like Lakewood, <laughs> New Jersey, but with Germans instead. Oh <laughs> uh, no! Why'd you do that, that's KP? A, <laughs> it's like Fort Lee if you're not Korean. That's <laughs> hilariously enough. My father was born in Fort Lee. No, he wasn't. No, he f- grew up there for right. a minute. Yeah. No, I, and he fought there in the fifties. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll say what, guys. This was this one was a mind blower. Eric's hanging out for another episode with us. We got to start recording that one now, so we can get the Kahuna out of here on time. Woo! LP, do you have anything else you want to say no, to the people that's on the good. way out? We're, uh, um, you start scratching around and you find out some of the things that went on in your home, oh, yeah. own home state or wherever you live. It's, it's an interesting history is a, is a fascinating thing. So basically what you're saying is some there's Nazis like everywhere. To, all right, some <laughs> things you like to promote and some things you're better off uh, tamping Let that fade to history. <laughs> right. I, I would say I the opposite. more for this too. <laughs> I would say uh, the, the, do you have something else you want to say on the show or? It's way too long. We're wrapping Okay, I mean, we got to land this plane just for time's sakes here. But Eric, it was a great guest as always on that one. Um, so Kahuna, great job as always. Thank, Thank you to you, Mike man. and Ming and a shared universe. I hope we didn't ruin everything for you here today, Kahuns, but it is what it is. Um, Lawrence Patrick, great work as always. This was fantastic. Guys, if you like the show and you want to help support us, $5 a month, that's all we're asking for over Patreon. You want to make a donation, a one-time thing, you could do that too. You want to give more than the five, hey, man, we'll, we'll take that. That's fine. But also, if you know, if you got to do it for one month and then bail on another month or something like that, I understand. But every little bit helps. Everything is appreciated. And that's what keeps me able to do this show for free on Tuesdays is the good people over at Patreon. Also, hit us up on social media. It's at uh, American Loser Podcast over on Instagram, at KP Burke Sucks on Instagram, KP Burke over on Facebook. And I'm going to be gone, guys. I'm going to be disappearing down to Jacksonville, Florida. I got a couple of club dates I'm going to be doing while I'm down there uh, in the great state of Florida, which we're going to talk about in this next episode. Another colorful character. (laughs) There you go. So I hope you guys enjoyed that one, man. And thank you so much. My name was KP Burke, and that was Camp Siegfried, American Loser. An American loser the day I was born. An American loser the day I was born. An American loser the day I was born.